Thank you, Debbie. Uh, after hearing that, I think I should be tired. God is faithful all of the time, amen? Can you stand with me just for a moment? I'm, I'm, I've given my message and PowerPoint to the IT guys back there. Uh, they're going to have one horrific job to keep and follow me because I'm all over the place. Uh, just do the best you can, and the congregation will forgive you for every time I make a mistake. Amen? Okay. Let's pray. Father, we bow in your presence right now. There are those that have come into this place today carrying a load, a burden, perhaps no one else knows about, but you know. And Lord, your power is more than sufficient to meet their need. Some have come out of a week where they have received news of something that is wrong in their body. They've received news that's going to impact their life financially. They've received news that impacts their family in some way that they would prefer it not to be true. Right now, O oh God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Speak life into those situations, O oh God. Make provision. Bring a miracle of restoration, a miracle of healing right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let your power be released into the lives of the men and the women and the young people that are here. The boys and the girls that have gone out into the other area. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, something dynamic will happen in their lives today that will transform their futures for the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I am the product of Sunday school. In Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, the town church, there were a group of five or six people that every Sunday afternoon they made the journey out to my village called Rockville. And they held a Sunday school. And at the age of six years of old, I heard the gospel, and I heard the call of Jesus, and I gave my life to Christ. And I stand before you today, 22 or 23 years later, <laughs> not regretting a single moment of life with Jesus. It was soon after that that I knew that God was leading me into ministry. And at the age of 58... I heard the call to missions, and we have been serving in Malawi. Ellen is serving with me. Just stand up and, and say hello. We are engaged in mission. You are engaged in mission. We are always engaged in mission. We don't have to travel to a foreign land to be engaged in mission. Mission is, isn't anything extra special. It isn't unusual. Mission is what we should be doing every moment of our life because simply mission is just engaging with people, just touching people's lives. In Zimbabwe, there's a very interesting uh, activity. There's a, an expression that they use. It's called chabadza. You all know what a badza is, right? You all know what a badza is? Everybody here? 
Yet somebody knows what a badza is. A badza is a, is a garden hoe. And, and what you do in Zimbabwe, they don't do this in Malawi, but I think when I go back, I'm going to talk them into trying it. When you go into your field, you don't just take one badza. You take three or four. Because what's going to happen is, is when you go into the field with your badza to prepare the land for your planting, you lie down the other three badzas beside you, and when a neighbor goes by, they see the extra badzas. And it is expected that they will stop and they will work in your field with you for a while. Working together. Partnership. We are workers together in the task of reaching the lost of our world for Jesus Christ. We are in the, we are in the business of turning the world right side up. Literally. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power that the world needs to experience the change that it so desperately is looking for. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 to 9. And I promise I will not make you feel like yo-yos, but I do want you to stand for the reading of God's word. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 to 9. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. We are workers together with God in the task of winning the world. You may be seated. God bless you. If I was to take the, the message today and put it in a single sentence, this is it. If, if you remember this, you've got it all. Some till the hard ground, some plant, some water, some fertilize, some harvest. Therefore, we are all working together in God's harvest, no matter what part we play. So find out what God is doing and do it. Find out what God is saying and say it. Find out where God is going and go there. Find out what breaks the heart of God and let it break your heart. Cry, weep before God until your heart breaks for what God's heart breaks for. And I can tell you, God's heart breaks for one thing. It's a lost soul. It's a person who is living on the road destined for judgment and destruction. It breaks the heart of God, and it ought to break ours as well. We're workers together, and that is good news. We're workers together with God. Great news. Why? Well, it means that God is already at work wherever it is that you're working. He gets there before you do. God is at your workplace at least five minutes before you get there. God is at that restaurant where you're meeting with some friends or families at least ten minutes before you get there because he wants to have his cup of tea before you arrive. He's working 
in Malawi before we arrive. It's good news because it assures us that our work will result in a great harvest. God will ensure that the field, his field, is productive. It's good news because it means that one day our labor will be finished and it will be examined by the Lord and he will reward each one of us, not for the end results, not for the numbers we can put on the sheet, but for the faithfulness that we have lived. The reward is for faithfulness, not for results. Because you see, you may not be a harvester. You may be a planter. You may be the one who does the hard work and somebody comes behind you and reaps the benefits and, 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 and people see the numbers on their sheet not realizing that those numbers are directly related to your hard effort. So the principle of alignment. We need to learn to align ourselves with what God is doing. When, when Paul writes to this church in, in Corinth, he reminds them that their mission and our mission must be aligned to God's mission. God told the church in Antioch, before Paul even gets to Corinth, that they are to set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work to which he had called them. Not the work to which they had decided to engage in. Not the work that they liked, but the work that he had called them to. In Acts chapter 13, verse number 2, the work is always first God's work, and then it is our work. It was God's work, then Paul's. Our tendency is to pray and ask God's blessing on what we are doing. Do you hear me? Far too often we are spending our time asking God to bless what we are doing. We should be saying, Lord, teach me what you are doing and help me to do it. What I'm doing, if it isn't what God's doing, is really quite irrelevant. Alignment. We need to align with God's work. Jesus spent his life aligned with his Father. He said, not what I will, but what you will. Over and over again, he tells his disciples, I did not come to do my own thing. I have come to do one thing, and that is to fulfill and accomplish the will of my Father who sent me. You are sent. You are called. Each one of us is called. Now, you may not be called to a foreign land, but you are called to mission. And this 100 points of light is focused on just challenging people to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you concerning the possibility of a foreign call. But let me tell you, there's not one person in this building that is not called to mission. Your mission field may be your street. It may be your workplace. It, it, it may be your family. It may be your neighborhood. It, it, it may be any one of a thousand things, but you have a mission field. You are called to be on mission 24-7. Wherever you are, 
Wherever you find yourself, you're on mission. That never stops. That never ends. When you, when you just take a drive down to Tim Hortons to pick up your coffee, folks, you're on mission. Oh, I'm... I'm, I'm. The way you speak to the individual that passes your coffee to you through the drive-through window is mission. The way you treat the waiter or waitress who's having a bad day and spills the tea in your lap is mission. Folks, we can make it or break it by how we treat the people around us. It's mission. We're on mission all of the time. Archbishop Oscar Romero says this, It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete. Isn't that awesome? It's never finished. Which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. There is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that this enables us to do something and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and to do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers. He's the master builder. Ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future not our own. That is what it means to be on mission. Our partnership and alignment come together and Faith Tabernacle is, is part of a, a huge mission enterprise. Some of you will know this, but some of you may not. The Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada is entering its 100th year this year. And no, I wasn't here at the beginning. City Pentecostal Church, the congregation that I have been leading and have just recently passed over the, the lead pastor role to Pastor Francis, is entering its 20th year. City Pentecostal Church began as a, a, a tiny assembly of about six people gathered in the back part of a grad station. Today, that congregation numbers beyond 500 the motivating reason for CPC was to reach street kids. There's hundreds of street kids all around our church every day. 
Elena and I can't even walk out on the street and, and, and little kids, believe it or not, two years old that have been dumped on the street. Five years old, six years old, the ones that can speak will come running up. Abusa, Abusa, Abusa. Abusa means pastor in Chichewa. They know us. They will run to us from all over the city. We wanted to reach the lost, the street kids, the prostitutes, the forgotten, and to bring the good news of Jesus' love for them because they don't know what love is. Many of them have, have never felt a genuine hug. They run to us because Elena is, well, she's just, she's just a, a love pot. She, she hugs them all. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter how dirty their face is. It doesn't matter if their hair hasn't been touched for, for, for months. She just wraps her arms around them, holds them close to her heart. Because these kids matter to God. I know you have, you, have, you have the same thing in Halifax. In some areas, there are people living on your streets. When you live in a city like ours of two million people, there are thousands that are homeless. Jesus knows their name. You are partnered with us. And can I say thank you for standing with Elena and I over the months and years, helping us someday, someday, you're going to stand before Jesus and this little kid is going to come running up to you and he's going to put his arms around your leg and he's going to say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you're going to look and you're going to wonder, what is this? And you're going to discover it's a small child from Malawi that you helped to provide meals for, that you helped to provide the good news of Jesus. And they gave their life to Christ and we have some of them now who started as street kids that have graduated secondary school and gotten driver's licenses so they can be minibus drivers. And they scare me every time they're on the road. <laughs> They've become truck drivers. Some of them have become carpenters. Their lives have been transformed. Some of them are now parents themselves and their kids are not on the street. You change the future by praying and standing with us over the months and years. In Acts chapter 1, verse number 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, right here in Halifax, and in all Judea, around Nova Scotia, and Samaria within Canada, to the uttermost parts of the earth, Somebody here today, I'm praying, will hear God's voice saying, Go to Malawi. Did you hear it? Have you heard it yet? I pray with all of my heart that you will. J. Roswell Flower, one of the early Pentecostals in the Pentecostal Evangel, made this statement. When the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, the missionary spirit comes with it. They are inseparable. 
as the missionary spirit is but one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit carrying the gospel to hungry souls in this and other lands is but a natural result of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can't be full of the Holy Spirit and not love what God loves and care about what God cares about. And I don't know what's happened, but there's no clock back there, and I have no idea where I am time-wise. Somebody's going to have to help me out here. Our movement, Pentecostal Assemblies, the Pentecostal movement, has been marked by people with a passion and a love for missions. We, we are a missionary movement. Canadian Pentecostals were early enthusiastic adopters of the call to take the gospel around the world. Uh, as early as 1908, two families found their ways away from uh, Toronto and one single lady into the mission field. Arthur and Jesse uh, went to uh, China, the Adders. Some of you may remember the Adders. Uh, Emma and Charles Chawner went to South Africa, and Barbara Johnston went to India. From that point on, there's been a steady stream. 3,000 full-time Canadian Pentecostal missionaries. Today, this very moment, there are 340 PAOC global missionaries serving in 75 countries, working with you, standing with you, representing you all around the globe. In 1908, on Christmas Day, an individual, a young African man, his name was Jasper Toe, stood on the sandy beach of Galloway Bay. You see, Jasper would occasionally step out in the night and look up at the sky and see the stars and he would say, there must be a creator God. I wonder, is there a creator God? Who is the creator God? And one night he prayed and he said, if there is a creator God, will you show yourself to me? And he heard God say to him, go to Galloway Beach and you will see a big box out on the water with smoke coming out of it. Out of the big box will come a little box and from the little box people will come and they will tell you about me. So Jasper walked the seven-day journey to reach Galloway Beach, and on Christmas Day, 1908, a steamship was going by. John Perkins felt that God told him, you must get out here. He was headed to South Africa. So he goes to the captain and he says, Captain, you have to, you have to unload us here. The captain said, I can't leave you here. It's too dangerous. This is a dangerous place. This is Liberia. He said, I have to go. God has told me. And so they unloaded his stuff, put he and his family in the little boat, and they went to Galloway Beach and landed on the beach and were met by Jasper Toe. Jasper Toe led them back to his village. They learned the language. 
And Jasper was their first convert. Jesus cares. Folks, I'm telling you, you get on board with what God's doing. You see, this is not unusual. This is where we live. There are times when you wake up in the morning and God says, go here. And you're thinking to yourself, why would I go there? It's not safe. But if God says, you do, and if you do, you will see God's miraculous hand at work. And that happens on the streets of Halifax. It happens on the streets of Nova Scotia. It happens all across the nation of Canada and everywhere in the world. You keep your ear tuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit and I'm going to tell you, He will talk to you. He will talk to you. He will lead you into the unusual and the unexpected and you will experience the unexplainable. You will hear Him. Why should we engage? We should engage because the greatest gift we can give the world is the gospel. Nothing can transform for good with greater impact than the good news of Jesus Christ. You don't have this problem here, but I live in a world that is full of corruption. I, I, I stop... When, when I drive, it doesn't matter where I go, I have to travel through a number of police checks. And often when I'm stopped at a police check, uh, I, I, I will hear the policeman say, um, there should be a Fanta. Fanta is a, a, a pop, in, but, but Fanta doesn't mean Fanta. It means you should give me something. It's a bribe. It's, everything functions on bribery. Young man in our congregation, his name is Ken. We live in a world where there's 80% unemployment. 80%. You think about that now. So if you have a job, you are very fortunate. Ken had just gotten this job. He'd been there for almost three months. And the company that he was working for was engaged in a contract negotiation with Malawi Revenue Authority. The contract was, was negotiated. Ken was not part of the negotiation, but because of his position and his role, he was going to have to sign the contract on the company's behalf. And as he looked at the contract, he discovered that the reason his company was given the contract was because of a bribe. And he said to his employer, I can't sign this. Because if I do, that means I'm complicit in bribery and I cannot do that. I'm a follower of Jesus. He refused to sign the contract and was fired on the spot. Folks, men like that who will take that stand eventually will transform the nation of Malawi. It will, that's what it takes. That's not easy. That's costs. Serving Christ faithfully costs in a lot of the world. It costs dearly. It cost him his job. 
but with a smile. He said, I'd rather serve Jesus. That's why we should engage, because we walk with people like that. We, we, we bring about the transformations in nations where it's so desperately needed. Colossians 1 and 6 says, All over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace. 3.1 billion people. billion are part of people groups that are unreached. Some of them, there is not one believer in 100,000. I've just skipped over some statistics from PAOC. Let me tell you what you're doing in, in, in Malawi. You're working with orphan kids. You're helping street kids. You're working with disabled people. You're working with those who have been the victims of violence and rape. You are working with those who are are in desperate need. That's all through the ministries that we do. There's so much more that I could say, but let me remind you of this well-known passage in Romans chapter 10. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And that's true whether you're bringing it to your neighbor, to your workplace, to your family, to your street, to your city, to your province, to your country, or some other place around the world. Look at me, folks. Look really close. Yes, it's okay. You can look really close, and I'll turn around, and you'll see that my hair is really thinning. You see what color it is. I had a birthday on Friday, and I'm not ashamed of my age, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. But you can tell that I'm coming to the last mile of the road. My time is limited. 3.1 million Yao. 18 million Malawians. Who will replace me? Who is going to replace me? Who's going to begin the journey now to do what needs to be done to take my place, to raise up the next generation, to raise up another Francis who will take on the pastoral leadership of a 500-plus international church? Who's going to take my place, who will walk through the the villages and the streets of the Mangochi area and bring the good news of Jesus to the Yao tribe? Who is going to take my place and walk the streets of of Blantyre and touch the lives of little children that, that 
are hungry all of the time and have absolutely no place to put their head at night. No family. No one to care for them. Who is going to walk the next mile of that road? Father, we bow in your presence. And Jesus, you told us that we should do unto others as we would want them to do to us. Not one of us, O oh God, would want to be left in the dark concerning Jesus. Therefore, we should do absolutely everything that we can to make sure that no one is left in the dark. If we are going to do to others as we would have them do to us. We must, O oh God, take the message. Lord, will you speak to every heart and as every head is bowed and every eye is closed and Pastor Glenn is coming. I want you to honestly ask the Lord. Lord, what are you doing that I should join? What are you saying that I should repeat? Where are you going that you want me to go also? For, for most of you, it's, it's going to be on your street. It's going to be in your workplace. For a few of you, it's going to be a transfer to some other city or some other place. so that you can be the planting of the Lord to bring the word of life to people that desperately need it. But I'm praying. I'm praying with all of my heart that there's one of you that will hear the voice of God whispering the name of Malawi into your heart. I'm praying that it will be one or two others that you will hear the voice of God whispering the name of some other place. PAOC is believing for 100 new missionaries in the next few months. We desperately need you. The task is so great. Will you stand with me? We just bow in the presence of the Lord for a moment. I'm challenging you today. Will you pray this prayer? Lord, whatever it means, wherever it leads, whatever it costs, I will be on mission with you. Mission to my city, mission to my family, mission, mission to my workplace, mission wherever you lead me. I will pray, I will give, and I will go. Will you pray that with sincerity in your heart today? And I promise you, 
you will be launched into the most exciting, adventurous journey that you could possibly ever imagine, even beyond your imagination. I thank God for our time in Malawi. It's been an adventure. And that adventure continues. May the Lord bless you.